0: Good morning. We, uh, we're celebrating communion here in a few minutes, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Let me, uh, let me pray, and we'll start in Hebrews chapter 11, long chapter, longest chapter of Hebrews as far as verses are concerned, but it reads pretty quickly, and uh, it, the last verse in uh, Hebrews 10 is significant. It actually, I think, should be part of Hebrews 11, but let's pray, and then we'll start the reading. Almighty God, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you for the gift of faith. Sometimes we think that it's something we can muster, but it's actually something you gift to us, and you gift it to us with evidence. We bless you for that. And Lord, as we hear, really, this author going back to the beginning and walking all the way through the early church with the faithfulness of your people, we ask that you remind us of your faithfulness and that that spur us on toward more and more faithful behavior. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. So the last verse in chapter 10 says this, and I'll just remind you, we did that last, we, we talked about that last week, but it says, and, and he, he's t- telling them to let us not give up meeting together, some are the habit of doing. Let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us, let us, let us. So it's all about, it's not just about me, it's about us And then he says, he's encouraging them because many of them were falling away. And he said, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And then he goes through verse after verse after verse of examples of God's behavior and people that did not shrink back. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that it was so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he he was called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. As a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man and He, as good as dead, no offense to anybody here who's about the age of Abraham, and him who was as as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth people who say such things show that they are, are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, The first verse of of Genesis chapter 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham by faith when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He would receive the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when, he, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones." By faith Moses' parents hid him for 3 months after he was born because he they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, excuse me. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And now he makes a little, that's kind of the the patriarchs, up until them coming out of and coming into Jericho, but coming out of uh, the, the desert. So pre-desert, desert. Now they're coming toward the promised land. And then he moves to the, um, to the prophets and the judges. I just lost my place here. And what more shall, shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. Now he's starting to talk about the very early church, some of these people that, that the Hebrew people knew that had suffered. And one of the reasons that they decided to go back to the old is because the Jewish people weren't being persecuted, only the Christians were. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they may gain a better, better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The, wor- uh, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in desert and ma- deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for the faith, for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that the only that only together with us would they be made perfect. So he's talking about the living faith of the dead, those who have gone before us. And when Pastor Doug is going to preach next week on Hebrews 12, and that Hebrews 12 passage starts with, therefore, so he's talking about all this stuff that the, the author had just spoken of. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great great cloud of witnesses, he's not talking about the people that see us now. He's talking about all those who exhi- have, have exhibited such great faith prior. All those people who counted the promise of God as more important than current or temporal or personal fulfillment. Now, there's a couple of things in here that, that I, find, I find interesting. The, the definition of faith that we see uh, is, is faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. That word that's certain, um, Greek, Greek is a strange, beautiful, but strange language, and just, but we have this too. There's some way, like here, I'll give you an example. There's a word that can mean two different things, oversight. So, we have an advancement oversight team. So, the job of the advancement oversight team is to oversee, to watch over anything that happens beyond the walls of this church. Our interns, as they come in, and church plants, that kind of thing. But if you, in, in Britain, an oversight is something that I just missed. I forgot. I, I, it was an oversight. So, it means this, same word means two different things. Now, if you oversee something, it shouldn't become an oversight right? The Congress is supposed to oversee. They have oversight over certain, or all the departments of the... So the word here for certain also means evidence. And the the NIV translators chose to go with certain of what we do not see. And I'll give you an example of that in a moment. But it's also evidence of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and the evidence of what we don't see. And the reason I think that, that he means that too is because all of the evidence that he gives in the following verses. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and is the evidence of the things not seen. Do you see God? I don't. Some people got to. They saw Jesus. They walked and talked with him and knew him and loved him and he loved them for three years. But the one who is... Omnipotent, omnipresent, all knowing, omniscient. He's spirit. We don't see him. But do we know he's there? There is much evidence. And God does not ask us to do what the world accuses us of, is that we have, we don't have any way of coping with the world, so we have this blind faith, and we just decide to, to, to jump off a cliff and believe that God's going to save us. That is not biblical faith. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, very seldom is the word faith used. Obedience, and, and it'll be a commentary that God accredited Abraham as faithful. But faith is not used very often, but it is used all the time in the New Testament. Why? because there's something about deciding that even though all the circumstances in my life and in the lives of those around me show that this is not a wise decision. It will not benefit me now. In fact, it might mean persecution. It might mean I get get people shame me because of belief and desire or, or choosing to be faithful, even when the whole world now says that's ridiculous. Faith tells us that we're supposed to Act, not just believe. In fact, if you look in the New Testament and you look at the, like John, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and even the book of Revelation, if I believe something and I don't behave that way, then I don't really believe it. I don't really have faith. There's a difference between faith and belief, and we've talked about that before with the illustration of the chairs. We're going to have something similar here in a moment, but let me give you one illustration. I guarantee if you've been in church for a while, you've heard this. I've been hearing this since I was a, uh, I became a Christian 42 years ago yesterday, and one of the illustrations that was used at the camp where the gospel was presented to me was this illustration. It's an old one, but it says something. So, the following letter was found in a, in, a baking powder, uh, in a baking powder can wired to the handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across Nevada's Amargosa Desert. I don't know how to say that. And the note reads like this. This pump is all right as of June, 1932. The person found this in 1934. I put a new sucker washer into it and it ought to last five years, but the water dries out and the pump has gotta be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a water bottle out of the sun and cork on the end. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour out one fourth and let, let her soak to wet the leather, then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get G-I-T. You'll get, you'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. And when you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. And then there's a P.S. to the note. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. He tells the, 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 the wanderer to get rid of the very thing he needs. To not... Consume the only water for miles and miles, but instead to pour it out to prime a pump and then pump like crazy, and you'll get more than you can hold. Okay, we all we have you heard that illustration before? The old desert peat prime the pump. Okay, not not new, but it does tell us something that if if we want the abundance that God promises, if we want the reward that God promises, and we're told in Scripture that He tests people of faith. There are times when God says, do this. Like, doesn't, hmm? Doesn't make much sense. I don't see any evidence. But you don't see evidence now. But if you look back, has God been faithful? We just just heard a a description, a summary of the entire, from the creation of of the world all the way through to the people who had died and had suffered as Christians weeks, months, or years before this letter was written to the Hebrew people. We have all kinds of evidence that God is indeed faithful. So, One more illustration, then we'll get to a physical one. So this is just a little little thing on the paper here, but um, the African impala, you guys know what an impala is? Longhorns can jump, uh, let me see, can jump 10 feet in the air and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. So there's really nothing, no enclosure that can keep an impala in there, except you can put up a three-foot wall at a zoo and they will never jump it. You know why? They will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will land. So, even if it's level ground, because they're not very tall animals, that that 30, or that three-foot fence is such that they can't see where their feet will land because the, the fence blocks it. So, they will not escape their captivity because they don't trust the ground that they're going to land on. How often do we see the scriptures tell us that people decided to say, yes, Lord, even though, I mean, this story of Abraham, he leave your mother, or leave your father and your family and all of that and take just your immediate family and you go to a place I will tell you about. And when he had to sacrifice Isaac, he went up to a mountain. He laid him down. He tied him up. He took a knife. And if God didn't stop him at the last minute, we would not remember Abraham as a hero of the faith, but a psycho. But he was willing to do that which made no sense because God has been faithful. Now, I want to give you a picture, um, and this won't take long, but I want to give you a picture of unreasonable faith and biblical faith. I got this from a guy named Tim Mackey. He's the guy that started the Bible Project. They do great work. But this is before the Bible Project was started. He didn't even have gray hair yet. So if you want to look it up, you can find it. I'm sure he does a better job, and he's way cuter in his presentation than I am. But, and some of you on the wings will be able to see this where it's hidden. But on this platform, this is about 8 by 24. Not the one I'm standing on. This is 4 by 24. Nope. 8. Yeah, 24. 24. but on this gray platform right behind me, is there a stool behind me? I really believe there is, but I mean, I'm talking about right on this color, is there a stool? I, if I believe there's a stool and I go back there, I'm gonna sit. That'd be unreasonable, wouldn't it? Okay, Kirk, could you do the thing I asked you to do? I'm gonna try not to look. And this can be awkward on video. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And no, I do not have a camera. I can't see anything back there. So, on that 8 by 24 gray platform behind me, is there now a stool? There is. Okay. You got to help me. What? This way? Okay. Too much? Okay. Now back. A little more, okay. Now straight back. Tell me when to sit. Right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I watch Tim Mackey do it, I'm like, dude, it's not that, but it is a little. Hmm. Okay, so we talked about this last week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, we, we've got communion coming up. I'm not going to stand up here much longer. You can read all of those stories. And I hope you were familiar with almost all of them that, that Hebrews 11 is telling us about. And you'll hear more about the faith of those who have gone before us next week. But, but last week we talked about the fact, it's the fact, the biblical fact that faith isn't just about me, it's about us. So I know that's a silly illustration, but I was able to sit in a stool that I had not seen because I had hope that you could see it. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. If we try to do this on our own, we are only discerning. The scripture says we see in part. We don't always see in full. But the reason God gathers his people is because you can see some things that I cannot. And you didn't say, go further left, because to you, it's your right, and I might have gotten confused, but people were like, back up and sit, okay? I was able to do something with your vision that I could not have done myself. I might have randomly found that thing by stumbling around and sitting at the right time, but likely I'm going to end up on the ground and being 57 years old, it would have hurt for a week. We are part of my faith, and we are part of your faith. It is a communal thing. And if we decide that we are discerning what God is leading us to do or a place that he's leading us to go, we have to see together. And sometimes if I'm walking down the street with my wife and I see a car coming around a corner, I always try to walk on the roadside with my wife, that southern thing, I guess. I've seen other guys do it. And, and it gets a little awkward when you're walking and you have to walk behind her to get on the, when you come off a corner or something. But to me, if there's something coming down the road and, 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 and it's, it's not gonna stop, I wanna throw her out of the way and take the hit myself. I don't wanna get hit, but first her, then me. And so even though she doesn't have to pay attention to all that stuff, part of my wiring is that I'm going to. There are things that you will pay attention to in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm, and what God, there are sensitivities toward the spirit that you have that I do not. And there are vision pieces, things that I can see that Kirk cannot. There are things that Kirk can see that I cannot. So it is wise for us to gather and to share with one another what we believe God is leading us to do, how He is calling us to be faithful. We can be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see, but we can be sure of what we hope for, and we can be the evidence to one another and to the world around us of what we don't see. You are the evidence that God is faithful. You are the evidence that God is God, and you, we, are the evidence that God's not done with this world yet. It would have been hilarious if I fell. It would have it would have been funny. I would have laughed. But I didn't fall. Why? Because you guided me, especially right over here, because once I move that way, I'm looking to the people that have a straight line. It was wise of me to trust the people who could see clearly. It would have been unwise for me to trust people who were out back with their back turned and say, Yeah, no, move left, move left. That would have been unwise. There's nothing about faith that doesn't have wisdom. There's nothing about faith that doesn't have evidence, but our evidence is almost always back-looking, not in the present, because God wants us to say, yes, my Lord, to trust him over our own instincts, our own desires, and and our own analytical mind. He is way beyond our ability. We are reasonable as he is reasonable, but he made us, Number one, to be able to remember the past. And number two, to trust him in the present. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus, the son of God, who is resurrected and ascended and sits at the right hand of the throne of God. It's the same great thing about the spirit and the same great thing about the father. They're all one. But remember the name that God gave for himself. I am that I am, Yahweh. You know why that's always a prayer? He doesn't say I am what I was or I am what I will be. He does say the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But he's the ever-present one. Nothing is future to God. The present to God, the future is his present. The past is his present. The present is his present. He is forever now. And if he's forever now, whatever circumstance we as a people face He's with us now. It's not just that he will be with us. It's not just that he has been with us in the the past. He is always now. He is always present. So when we worry about what's coming next, God is already in the future. He stands outside of time, so he's already in the future as his present, but he's also in the present as our present, and he's in the past as his present. He can see it all. He's always orchestrating all of it for you for us and the last thing i'll say if you read your scriptures and i hope you do it will always point to the us yes there are times when individual persons are called by god to do exceptional and extraordinary things yes all, also often asked to do kind of ridiculous things. When they marched around Jericho for seven days and then seven times on the seventh day and then scream when walls come down, they did because God told them to and they were faithful. But it's almost always about the people of God, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. It's not individual rogue maverick Christians. It is communal. God's desire is for us to be with him together, not just with him alone, but to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And that's not so that we check off a little box Well, we did the good church-going thing. It's not it. It's you could see things that I couldn't see, and I wasn't harmed. We can see things that you can't see so that God is glorified, and undue harm does not come to you. Let's do this together. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for who you are, for the gift of faith, and for the evidence of the faith that we have. Lord, let us not be those who shrink away, but let us be those who stand firm in faith, being certain of what we hope for and the evidence of what we do not see. We pray this in the name of Jesus through the power power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God our Father. Amen.